sit back and enjoy the ride. Hello, people of Earth. We have a very exciting guest. She's amazing. Her name is Jessica McCabe. She's with us now. Uh, she has a YouTube channel. She's a hero of mine. Her YouTube channel is called How to ADHD. She's incredible. She's been featured in the New York Times. That's so cool. She was an actor as well in the show Monk, American Dreams. Oh, and also she's done a TED Talk, which was very inspiring to me. So let's give it up for Jessica McCabe. So clap wherever you're listening to this and give it up for Jessica McCabe. Hey, Jessica, what's up? Hey, thanks. You made me sound impressive. <laughs> you are. You're very impressive. You, you've done so much. Uh, you're a huge hero of mine. First of all, how I um, discovered you was I got diagnosed in 2018 with ADHD as an adult, and I felt so much fear and confusion and also relief. And it's like, oh, what? I just went on YouTube and I typed up you know, ADHD and your channel popped up and I just like binged it like Netflix. Like it was just like amazing. And just so many things clicked. Uh, one of the big videos that clicked for me was uh, the wall of awful. You have a video about the wall of awful. So first of all, just kind of um, introduce yourself a little bit and tell us where you're from. How did you come about making a YouTube like, what was your inspiration? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm Jessica. I grew up in LA and I think I started acting at like 15 years old. Cause at 15, there wasn't a lot that you could do to make enough money that you could help out your parents. And I wanted to be able to do that. So I was like really optimistic and like, Oh, you know, I'll just start this acting thing and like make a million dollars. And then my mom doesn't have to work anywhere. It was, it was, uh, it was very naive and very sweet. And, um, I, I didn't, of course, book anything <laughs> at all. I think I, I made it to like network once and was in uh, suddenly in a room full of like, like the first audition was just with one person. And then the next audition was like, maybe there was a couple people there. And then I went for another audition and I was expecting the same thing. And I walk in and there's like this whole panel of people. There's like oh, 30 yeah. people in like rows looking at me. And I just got so intimidated. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and yeah. Just, so that, yeah. that didn't go well. Um, and then I, I went back to acting. Um, a few years later, because I looked, I looked young for my age and, you know, 18 to play younger, like it's such a big thing. And I was just like, well, you know, I can always finish college later. Like I, I can't be young looking later. So they'll just do that for a while. So I, I got lucky. I, I had some, you know, I, I got some good roles. I got my SAG card and everything, but there was always this, the same struggles that I had the rest of my life I was still having. And I didn't really understand why like I had been diagnosed with ADD when I was 12 and I took medication for it and I thought like that's it right like you get distracted when you have ADD you take medication it helps you focus like the end problem solved and everything else was my fault so like I knew I was irresponsible and I was messy and I was careless all these labels that I picked up over the years and I just started to really not believe in myself like I would Frust I would so I would be so frustrated. I would struggle with everything. Like I would get an audition and I'd be so excited and so confident, like, oh, this role's perfect for me. And then I'd work for days on memorizing my lines and go to a casting director and or sorry, I would go to my acting teacher and like pay her extra to like coach me on it. And I would figure out a wardrobe and then like spend two hours doing hair and makeup and, and driving the hour and a half to get to the audition. It's, and it's so exhausting. Oh my God. And then I would 
fight for parking. And then I would finally get there and be so proud of myself for being on time. And I'd walk into this room with all these other girls in the audition room. And I'd immediately be like, nope, she's better for the part. Like they should give it to her. And, and then I would walk in and I would forget my lines. And I'd be like, I would basically give an audition that said, I'm, I'm sorry for wasting your time. Like I would just get so small. And, um, and so I went through life like this, like trying continuously to like try and make an impact. And I, I would get roles here and there just enough to keep my hope alive, right? Just enough to be like, maybe I could do this, but like mostly I was failing all the time. And I, I got to the point where I actually went to do another career for a little bit. I went to give massages because like I kept being under all this pressure to lose weight. Like, you know, lose 10 pounds, we'll get you a pilot. Lose 10 pounds, we'll get you a pilot. And I, I kept trying, but then I would like do really well for a couple of weeks. And then I would like stress eat bagels and get yelled at for it. Like my manager could one time tell that I was in a bagel shop and started screaming at me. Like, what is oh wrong with God. you? Like, oh, oh yeah, it's, it was rough. I don't know if it's any better now, but it was rough at the time. And I was an ingenue, right? And so like, I wasn't allowed to be weird. I wasn't allowed to be different. I had to be a certain way, look a certain way, behave a certain way. And I just didn't fit into that box the way that I think everybody wanted me to. And I really, really tried. And at some point I got tired of trying. Like, I, I think what happened is I burned out. I was trying my whole life to be what everybody else expected me to be, which was essentially neurotypical, right? Like, you know, you have to be responsible and show up on time and like have all your lines memorized and not forget anything and like yeah. keep track of, you know, where you put your resumes. There was so much to, to manage and keep track of. And I was not great at it. And I eventually burned out on it. And um, I was volunteering at AFI. And I went to a workshop there and there was this life coach who came to talk to us about acting. And, and she was like, well, you know, uh, yeah, a lot of people struggle. So like, ask me questions. And I was like, hi, how do I lose 10 pounds? And she's like, you don't need to lose 10 pounds. And I was like, no, no, really? Like everyone keeps telling me lose 10 pounds and we'll get you a pilot. Like I have to lose 10 pounds. And she's like, you don't need to be smaller. You need to be bigger. And I was like, what? Like, clearly you're wrong. Everybody else has been telling me something else. But what she said is you are so worried about being small and fitting what you think everybody else wants you to be that you're not taking up any space. You're not actually coming into the room with anything to give because you're trying to apologize for the fact that you're bigger than you should be. And it was true, both physically and metaphorically, I felt like I was bigger than I should be. I felt like I was too much for people. I was too heavy or I was too loud or I, was, I talked too fast. It was just too much. And I was constantly trying to like shave off pieces of myself essentially to be who people wanted me to be and to fit inside this box. And she was the first person that told me that I didn't have to. And so I was like, I'm broke, but like, I need to talk to this woman. And so um, I, I went and talked to her and she, she's an actress as well. She was, she was in the Mervyn's commercials. You remember that like open, open, open. Uh, like, I think so. <laughs> I'd have to look it up, but yeah. That's she was amazing. But I went to her like a couple of times because that's all I could afford because I was still waiting tables at the time and like not making much money at all as an actress but I went to her and I was like okay so what do I need to do and she said nothing <laughs> I was like what do you mean nothing my manager is constantly reminding me I'm too old to not have an, as many credits as I do like I I'm supposed to have done better by now I, I needed to be successful like three years ago like what do you mean do nothing and she's like you, we don't know where you need to be putting your effort in and so just stop and so for, I, for a month, I did. And like nothing, did nothing at all. I didn't get headshots. I didn't submit anything. I didn't go to any auditions. I didn't talk to my manager. I didn't, I didn't try to make up for all of the things that I did wrong with all my friends and family. Like I, I stopped trying, you know, to date. Like I just stopped everything for like a month. And it felt like so wrong because my whole life I've been told, try harder, do more, try harder, do more. Like if you're not achieving, 
keep going, like try, do more, try hard. And so to do nothing felt so weird, but in that space that was probably a month, but felt like a lifetime, my brain was able to talk to me and be like, hi, this isn't working for us. Like, can we not? And I remembered that I had struggled with ADD as a kid. And like, maybe there was something to that. Like, so I went back to her and I said, you know what? I want to stop trying so hard and putting so much effort into everything and failing all the time. And I want to put some of that effort into learning why I am like, why am I struggling with this stuff? And she's like, okay. And I was like, and I want to put it somewhere where I can actually find it again. Cause I remembered I'd occasionally come across an article that helped me out, but then I'd lose it or I'd forget about the system. And then when I remembered to use it, like I couldn't find the article again. So I decided to put my videos on YouTube. Um, because I knew I wouldn't lose YouTube. I would lose everything else. I would lose notebooks. I would lose my phone. I might lose my computer, but like YouTube is on the internet. I know how to find YouTube. I wouldn't lose YouTube. So I decided to learn about my ADD and everything that I learned put on YouTube so I could find it again. And I made those videos public in case they were helpful for anybody else, um, which thankfully they were. They're, um, yeah, they're extremely helpful. Yeah. I thought I was going to do like a few videos. I, I was like, Oh, I'll find a few things on ADD, like, you know, put a few videos up with some strategies and maybe they'll be helpful for me and somebody else. And then I'll go back to acting only this time successful. <laughs> Seven years later, I'm like, Nope, <laughs> Nope. There's still so much to learn. So how did it feel to you to be able to put that out there? Just from what I'm seeing and hearing is just, it felt amazing, but how did it feel for you? <laughs> it was terrifying, honestly. Um, but also really rewarding. It was this weird thing of like, oh, you know, this could be good for my acting career. Like maybe I'll have a million subscribers by the end of the year. But also like, I hope that nobody who knows what they're talking about sees this ever because I wasn't sure that I was even allowed to be doing this. I had dropped out of community college. I was an actress. I didn't know anything about ADD. I didn't even know that it wasn't called ADD anymore. I went to, I went to Google it because I'm like, oh, I'll call my channel how to ADD. And maybe that'll be confusing for people because they'll be like, oh, it's how to add. And they'll be disappointed that I don't help them with their math homework. Um, right. But I Googled it and it's like, oh, it's, it's not called ADD anymore. It's called it's all ADHD now. Wait, my brother has ADHD and he like bounces off the walls and like hits people and he's a, a behavioral issue. Like that's not me. I just, I'm just distracted. But then I found out a couple of things. One, it's the same condition that causes it. And it's just the, the presentations are different, but also the presentations can change over time. And I think I'm kind of a rare breed where I was really just spacey and inattentive when I was younger. But as time went on, I think I got a little bit more <laughs> impulsive and hyperactive. I'm not exactly sure why, but I am now combined type. I qualify for both the inattention symptoms and the hyperactive impulsive symptoms. So I have all the ADHD, uh, but I learned that and I learned that it affects more than attention. And I, I was like, wait, what is this about? That's why I can't sleep. Wait, that's why I'm in trouble ha having friends. And I just learned so much about it. And I was like, what the hell? This explains so much. And every label that I'd picked up and everything I blamed myself for was like, oh, this is normal when you have ADHD. That part was liberating and connecting with my community was liberating. Cause I'm like, oh, these people are really cool. And I have fun hanging out with them. And they have the same kind of traits that I do. They act like I do. And I like hanging out with them. Maybe I'm not such a horrible person. Maybe I don't have to be this version of me that I'm not. Yeah. I'm with you on all of that it's amazing what you've what you've created and accomplished like it's it's really incredible well you're just talking about you know kind of the world and how it it's not built for us how can the world be better built for people that aren't neurotypical there there are a lot of ways that it, it can be better um 
I think that the world can account for the fact that people are neurodiverse a lot easier than people who are neurodivergent can be neurotypical. I tried, like I spent seven years learning all the strategies and all the tools and everything. And I'm, I still have ADHD. Like I, I still can't function in the, in the world like somebody who is neurotypical can. And I shouldn't have to. A lot of the treatments for ADHD, for autism are really about erasure. Um, let's get you normal, right? Like, okay, like that's a, that's a problem. Let's get you, let's get you over here. Let's get you a little closer to normal, a little closer to what everybody expects you to act like. And that erasure in and of itself, I think can be really harmful because it, it means that we don't really get the privilege of pursuing our goals in the same way that neurotypical people do, because so much of what our goals are, are just to be neurotypical where it's just like, okay, let me let me get good at the stuff that my brain is bad at. And that becomes so much of a relentless pursuit. Let me get good at memorizing my lines. Let me get good at getting places on time. Let me learn how to sit still. There's so much effort, I think, that we waste on trying to fit into this box when we just can make the box a little bit bigger, I think, and not expect everybody to behave the same way. Of course, somebody who has ADHD is going to get distracted or forget to turn their notifications off. Like if they were always on top of those things, they probably wouldn't have been diagnosed with ADHD, but they were diagnosed with ADHD. So that's going to happen. And us to just expand what we expect of people to like be a little bit more inclusive. And I'm not saying like, we should all be able to just go around and be assholes and be late to everything all of the time, because that affects other people, right? We still live in a society. We still have to function with other people. We have to interface with the neurotypicals and like, they really like things being on time. So, you know, we're going to do our best. But so much of the burden of managing ADHD falls to the person with ADHD, where it's like, okay, the neurotypicals are like, we're over here and we want you to be like this. And we're like, we're trying our best, but like, they don't really meet us halfway a lot of the time. So I think a lot could be solved just by saying, you know what, some people in this world are going to struggle with being on time. So like, if we really want this event to start at this time, like we'll give that a buffer, like, Hey, get here at three 30 so that, you know, we can start at four because some people are going to run a little bit late. And universal design is a really big thing too, where if you build for the people who struggle, then it's actually better for everybody. I really believe that's true. A classic example is like wheelchair um, cutouts, like curb cutouts, like that creates accessibility for people who are in wheelchairs because without those curb cutouts, it's really hard to get up on that curb. Yeah, um, but it makes it easier for, for people who are just wheeling their luggage too, or trying to move it's it benefits everybody but it's kind of critical for some people and I feel like there's a lot in the world that's like that I used to run out of gas in my car because I I would play this game almost where I would wait until the the gas light came on in my car and then I'd see like right and then I'd see like how far I could get um and I would keep going like oh yeah no I'll totally get gas on the way home and then I forgot or like oh I'm too tired or whatever and I would push it and then I would run out of gas in the car and one time don't hate me I ran out of gas in my car on the 101, like an hour before rush hour. And I was like right in the middle of the 101. And I was like, oh my God. And I sat there waiting for AAA going, everybody's going to hate me. And they did. Everybody was driving past like honking and screaming. And I'm like, I, it's my fault that people are going to be late to dinner tonight. And like, it's, I just was aware of how many people's lives I was about to deeply impact because of my irresponsibility. Right. But here's the thing. I don't run out of gas in my car anymore. I still will keep driving my car when the gas light comes on, but my car now has something that tells me how many miles I have left. Yes. Yeah. And that alone makes it so that I can actually (laughs) make an informed decision and see the gas light come on and have that start telling me to put gas in my car, but then I can still put gas in my car before it runs out because I, I still have a bit of a countdown after that. 
Um, and there's so many like little things like that. My therapist sends me the link a couple of minutes before our session. And she apologized the first time she did that. She's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't send it two days ago. And I was like, I wouldn't have been able to find it. It was great. I sat down. I knew my appointment was there. And like the link was right on top of my email inbox. It was great. So she started doing that. There's so many like just little That's things awesome. that make life easier for those of us yeah. with ADHD. And the problem if, if people expect us to do all of the work ourselves is we're expected to manage all of our own symptoms perfectly so that we can function in this neurotypical world, but our disorder <laughs> involves difficulty with managing things. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's, let's ask the person who has a really hard time staying organized and on top of things and managing things to manage more things. Right. And that's what we're doing currently. And I would like to see a little bit of that responsibility shared, or at least, at least not punish us like at least have that grace that we're not adding shame on top of everything because that shame makes everything so much harder. You yeah. know, it's, so if they were like, Hey, like, you know, we, we do need to work on this. Like we need, we need to get here on time. Like, what can we do? How can we support this? It's a very different message than like, you're late again. What is wrong with you? I had the same problem with being late in high school. And like, you know, as a kid, like always late, always in trouble for being late. As a grown up, when I moved out to LA, I just realized like, all right, I have to be an hour early to every appointment. So that's what I yeah. do. I'm an hour yeah. early. And well, and that's the thing, right? You overcompensate and that's one way of doing it, but that, that comes at a cost, right? That's an hour that you could have spent doing other things, or that's a level yeah. of, an extra level of anxiety, right? All of these things yeah. that we have to do to fit into this world come at a, at a cost to us. And that cost adds up real fast. <sighs> Wow. <laughs> That's true. I'm just so impressed with how much awareness you have. It's incredible. Like it, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. I just want to thank you for creating such a beautiful channel that helps people like us. Sorry, I'm getting so emotional, but no, I want to hug it's you. just so true. Like, I just feel like you're such an advocate and it's it's been so hard for me to to even to talk about this i was scared of starting you know a, a podcast about talking about this because there's so much stigma around adhd and it's getting a lot better but there's so much room for improvement and just everything you bring up on your channel is just like wow like how do you raise your awareness what do you do to kind of raise your own awareness it was really just learning. Um, yeah. I started out knowing nothing. Like I knew I had ADD and I knew that I got distracted. And I knew that medication helped and that was it. Honestly, I started out Googling things and just reading and connecting with other people. And eventually somebody taught me about Google Scholar and I started looking there and getting like really good information. And somebody taught me how to read research articles. So I started reading the studies and sometimes honestly, Maddie, I would sit there just in tears reading these like dry research studies because these researchers were explaining things about my brain that I didn't know. And it hurt because I had actually been seen at that point, I'd been diagnosed for 20 years and no doctor ever explained this to me. I, it was just, I go in and they're like, you know, you're taking your meds. Yeah. Are they working? Yeah. Any side effects? No. And like, here's your prescription and go home. And I thought that everything else that I was struggling with was my fault and nobody told me otherwise. And that is one of the things that keeps me going with this channel is realizing like, 
it's not even that we don't know this stuff. It's just the people who need to know it aren't the ones that know it, right? The researchers know, and some doctors know, but those doctors aren't necessarily accessible to everybody. And there are a lot of doctors that don't really understand ADHD, and we're not getting the information we need to be able to live our lives effectively. And we are going through life, like blaming ourselves for being almost less than human. The message is just so, like, if you're a good employee or a good friend, you are on time and responsible and consistent and all of these things that are really, really hard for our brain. And the truth is like, there's so much valuable that we have to offer in terms of being creative thinkers and divergent thinkers and being fun and funny and silly and, and driven and passionate. And just the ingenuity of, of constantly doing things in different ways and trying new things. And that's not what society tells us is valuable. Society tells us what's valuable is, you know, being an adult, which means executive function really it means being able to manage things and so i don't even remember what the question was but no. you made me cry because thank you it's yeah i forget sometimes um i have been in this bubble now where i interact a lot with my community and other people who are neurodivergent and and we have dropped the shame and we've dropped the stigma and it's so normalized for me now that i forget that there are still a lot of people for whom it's not normal. They still feel wrong in who they are as a person. And that's what I want to change. I want us to be in a world where it's like, okay, if somebody's, you know, if some, if somebody's autistic, they're not going to make as much eye contact. If somebody has ADHD, they are going to need a bit of a window to show up on time without having to do things that come at a great cost to them. Like, you know, of course I'm going to lose things. And like, I just budget for that. Like I budget for losing things because that's going to happen. Um, what do you mean you budget? Like, Okay. Do you know about the ADHD tax? No. <laughs> okay. Let me explain to you the ADHD tax. So, um, <laughs> have you ever, have you ever gotten a parking ticket and not paid it on time? Uh, yes, I was very bad at that in my thirties, but I've somehow, when I get a ticket, I pay it right away. Nice. Like, I don't wait. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, have you ever paid like extra for shipping to get a gift in time because like you forgot to order oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. That's the ADHD tax. The money that we have to pay, the extra money we have to pay because we didn't do things on time or we forgot about things or we lost something and had to replace it. Like the ADHD tax is pretty astronomical sometimes or like the, you know, late fees, um, <laughs> all, all this stuff that's essentially symptomatic of our condition where it's like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't do things on time or we didn't do things perfectly we we lost things we broke things whatever um and now we have to replace it or even like the the impulsivity of like not having the patience to like sit and cut coupons or like go and find the best deal on something and just being like oh i want the thing i'm gonna get it and then like next week it's on sale and you're like crap like that's all the adhd tax adhd having adhd is expensive that that happens also like we tend to make less money than our neurotypical peers <laughs> on average and on top of all that, like meds are expensive, doctors are expensive, therapy's expensive. Um, it's it's pretty expensive to have ADHD. Yeah, I didn't even really think about that. Like, it's so true. It's so true. Okay, so what have you learned in creating a YouTube channel? Let's say someone wants to start a YouTube channel. What would you say to them? It's kind of like stone soup. Do you know the story of stone soup? No, but I'd love to hear it. So stone soup, but there's, there's different variations of it, but it's essentially somebody comes into town and I feel like ADHDers are really good at stone soup. Somebody comes into town um, and he doesn't, he doesn't have a meal. He's just got like a big, a big pot and a stone and a stick. And he just starts like stirring this, this stone around 
Like, I think he fills the pot with water or something. And, and he's like making this stew and people come over and they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, no, I'm making, I'm making stone soup. It's, and they're like, what's stone soup? And he's like, you haven't heard of it. It's the most amazing thing. It's so delicious. And he tells them how amazing it is. And he's like, oh, but you know, what would make it even more delicious carrots. And somebody's like, oh, I got carrots and they go get carrots. Right. And they bring back the carrots and he's like, oh man, yeah. Stone soup's going to be so good, but you know, what would make it even better is onions. And so he's like, I got onions and they bring the onions. And by the time, by the time he's finished cooking this stew, it's actually food and it's amazing. And it feeds the whole village. I think starting a YouTube channel is a little bit like that. I showed up with nothing. I was like, I want to start a YouTube channel and it's going to be about ADHD and I'm going to teach people what I know. And I was like, ah, but you know, it'd be even better. Like if I actually knew some of this stuff, so I like Googled it. <laughs> oh, but you know, it'd be even better if like I could edit it. So I got a friend to help me learn how to edit. And then, oh, you know, it'd be really cool graphics. And I was like, I probably don't have time to put in graphics, but like my boyfriend knew how to do graphics. So I was like, Hey, can I like cook and do laundry for you? And he's like, all right. So he started adding graphics and just slowly over time, like people kept coming and offering different things. I got a moderator to help me out. Um, I was doing a, a live stream one time and somebody's like, Hey, you should make a discord for your Patreon. And I was like, okay. And so we just all went and made a discord together and just people kept adding to it. And it was so cool. It was this collaborative, like community project almost that wouldn't have existed if I hadn't come and said, I think this is what it could be. Right. And I absolutely didn't make this channel by myself. I have an incredible team that I work with now, but it really started with me going, I have an idea and I think it would be really cool if, and just going from there. So I, I guess my best advice, if you're going to start a YouTube channel is don't expect to do everything yourself because <laughs> when you're an actor on set, like that's your job. Like you show up and you wait in your trailer. And then when they need you, like you come on set and you're supposed to memorize your lines or whatever, but like they clothe you, they like do your hair and makeup, they do everything else. And you're just an actor when you're a YouTuber. <laughs> it's not like that. It's like, okay, you have to come up with the ideas for the content. You have to script it out. If you're going to script it out, you have to show up and you're in the entire crew. Like you're doing, you're doing camera and lights and you're directing yourself. You're doing everything yourself. But if you can get somebody to help somebody else to help do it because it is so frustrating, especially if you have ADHD. Um, at, at one point I just started crying on set because I was trying to do everything myself. And I'm like, I'm a union actress. Like I shouldn't have to be crew and do everything all by myself. So I actually started paying like a friend 25 bucks an hour to just like be crew for me. And it was so much better because then I could focus on what I was doing. That's awesome. And yeah, I have a personal assistant too. And it, it helps so much. So let's talk about that for a second, because a lot of people, they do, do feel like they have to get to the point where they can do everything themselves. And the truth is that's a freaking full-time job, like to be yeah. responsible for yeah being your own assistant and cleaning your house. And I don't know if you've got kids, like taking care of your kids and just so many people that I know with ADHD, the way that they have become successful. And it's true for me too, is make enough money that you can delegate some shit. <laughs> like, yeah. honestly, like I finally have a housekeeper coming every two weeks and I had to get over a ton of shame around that because I'm like, I've been trying my whole life to get good at cleaning my house by myself. And I should have been able to figure it out by now. Right. But should is such a dangerous word. Anytime you think somebody else should be able to, or you should be able to take that away for a second and look at what they can actually do. Looking back at my life, consistently. I've never ever in my life, no matter how hard I've tried, been able to consistently keep it, keep my house clean by myself. And so somebody else being able to do that is almost irrelevant because the way my brain works, I can't. And I had to finally accept that, um, and, and get some freaking help. So yes. I, I had two choices, like get okay with the fact that my house is going to be messy all the time or 
hire some help. Um, and it's, I know it's not something that everybody can do, but even when I was waiting tables, I did the math. I'm like, it takes me two days to clean my house on my own. And I get distracted a lot. And it's a frustrating, horrible experience. I actually liked waiting tables. And I realized that a housekeeper cost the same amount of money as I made in one night at work. So I'm like, financially, actually, even though I don't make a lot of money, it still makes more sense for me to hire help and pick up an extra right. shift. Yeah. That makes total sense. You know, I'm a successful adult, but I still struggle with like laundry. And I know you have a video on the, I think it's the male monster. Or oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I still struggle, I struggle with, with that. that. Just like, how do you delegate your, your laundry or do you have a system for laundry or the paper monster and kind of describe I don't, I don't, I can't remember if it's the, if you call it the paper monster, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, it's the paper, it's the paper monster, but yeah, it, it's monster. mostly mail and it's just, um, it's mail that I, I go and bring in and stick in a pile and until it gets so big that it gets super scary and you don't even want to deal with it. Cause you're like, like, I don't know what could be in there at this point. My laundry point. and my bills. Yeah. Uh, so do you have a system for that? I, I do. Yeah. So, um, laundry, I still do. I still do by myself. I know Danny Donovan, I'm not sure if she still does it, but she, she's like, I just finally like outsource that too. Like she's got somebody that like comes and picks up all her laundry and they take it away and do it all and bring it back. Um, I tried doing that and it was so astronomically expensive that I was like, no, this probably, this is just <laughs> not going to, not going to work for me. But, right. um, what I do is, um, I, now have turned it into like kind of a meditative experience, um, where Sundays are my reset day. And Allison, my, my life coach had taught me this too. Like the idea that Sundays are like back to one, like when, you know, when you're an actor in a scene and like you knock over the water and you do this and you do that, like you make a whole mess of things, but then back to one, like everybody has to reset everything. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it's like that. So on Sundays, it's like back to one day where, um, and it, awesome. It's great. And yeah. so I just go like, okay, like I need to get my house back to where I want it to be because it is going to devolve over the course of the week. So Sundays it's back to one. So, um, I'll actually start out easy and this is a good technique in general for ADHD, like start with the super easy stuff. So like I'll, I'll strip my bed, um, and throw the sheets in, in the wash, or like I'll throw a pile of towels in the wash. Cause that's not going to require a ton of folding and stuff. And so once I get the momentum of like, I'm doing some laundry, I can keep going throughout the day. And then I, I save the stuff that I'm going to actually have to sit down and fold for night. And I'll sit down and fold them like while I watch TV or whatever, I make it a positive experience where I'm just like, cool, this is my day to like slow down and do things and like knock it all out. I have tried so many times to try doing laundry throughout the week and inevitably it becomes a horrible experience because I, I forget that I'm washing it or I remember in the middle of doing something else and then I go to change laundry and then I get distracted and I'm doing something. So I just do all my laundry on the same day. I mean, it's, it's the only way I can do it. And I just make it an enjoyable experience because I do like it when the things come out freshly warm and I can kind of hold them and just sit and watch TV and kind of Zen out a little bit, but it has to be like a mindful, pleasant experience for me. Um, and I do that with a lot of things. If it's a task that I don't generally like, I pair it with something that I do. And this is really important when you have ADHD because our brains are chronically understimulated. We, we need more stimulation to get the same kind of dopamine, the, the same level of reward for doing a task. Um, these neurotypical people, they can be like, Oh, I'm filling out a form for college. It's going to feel so great when I graduate. And they get like this anticipatory dopamine. And we don't really get that as much. Like the way our reward system works is a little different. So we, we need more extrinsic rewards. We don't have as much in intrinsic motivation to do, especially boring tasks, anything that's lengthy, repetitive, boring, anything like that, our brains really struggle with. And so getting the mail and sorting through the mail, 
that's the worst because it's a boring task and there's a lot of anxiety around it and a wall of awful around like past failures of like, right, I forgot to pay that bill and now I have a late fee and just usually good things don't come in the mail. So there's this anxiety as well as it's boring and you have to do it all the time. Like I look at my mailbox and I'm like, I just got the mail like two days ago. I got to do it again. So, (laughs) so I created a reward system um, (laughs) and I can send it to you, Maddie, if you want, Um, the my my assistant drew drew up like a really fancy like made up a really fancy sheet for me but it's we gamified it so <laughs> um for me I decided that something that would be rewarding is jewelry because when I was a kid I decided like I lost a really pretty pair pair of earrings that somebody gave me and I was like oh I shouldn't have nice things and so I after that just didn't buy myself jewelry at all because I'm like I'll just lose it so but I do like jewelry so for me, I have this motivation system where there's like a point system where every time I go get the mail or any sort of boring admin task like that, I get one piece of gold, three pieces of gold or five pieces of gold. Um, and it's like, I'm on this quest to like make my life, I don't know, run. Um, and, and so I, I get the gold, gold or is it just, no, it's metaphorical gold. gold. And I have like a counter on my phone that I tap That's like awesome. how much gold I have, but each piece of gold is equal to a dollar. And so like, if I get 20 gold, I can like go, you know, I can go into at, I don't know, Amazon or whatever, and like buy a $20 piece of jewelry for myself, like Chuck E. Cheese style. And I can just be like, oh, I could spend the gold. And every time I get the mail or do any boring admin task like that, um, I also roll a D20. And if I, if I get a nat 20, then I also give myself um, like just a piece of jewelry. It's like, it's like a bonus. I, it hasn't happened yet, but just getting to roll a die every time I do a task, it makes it more exciting and it makes me look forward to it. And it got to the point where I was like, what else could I do? Like what other boring admin tasks? So cool. I want more points. Yeah. That reminds but me you of have to like reward Sonic yourself. the Hedgehog getting all the coins. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's I mean, awesome. some sort of reward system because it's, these things are important, but our brains don't register them that way. Like we can know they're important, but our brains are like, yeah, but video games. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, one other thing is um, how do you feel about ADHD coaches and, how are they beneficial? So there's not an accreditation system for ADHD coaches the way that there is for like therapists. So it's, it's, it can be real hit and miss because anybody can call themselves an ADHD coach, but as somebody who again, dropped out of community college and has no business doing what she's doing, um, that doesn't mean that they're not good. Like I'm very good at what I do. I did not go to school for it. I am self-educated and there are a lot of ADHD coaches that are the same way where they are incredibly valuable, incredibly helpful, but see who you click with and see what their background is and like where their experience did come from. They can be incredible. Um, therapists are important too, to help you work through the emotional trauma stuff and all of that. And a lot of times you want to go to therapy first, if you've got a lot of that. Um, and then coaches are there to essentially help you, um, function and problem solve and goal set and provide some accountability, help you problem solve, help you move forward in a really practical way. And so I personally think that, you know, if you have the resources to like, all of them are great. Like ADHD really requires multimodal treatment. It's not just one thing as my operations manager, JT says it, there is no one magical rainbow unicorn tool that will solve all of your ADHD woes. It's usually a combination of things. And that means a good deal of support. It might mean medication, um, to help you use the tools and strategies. Um, but pills don't teach skills. So you do also need tools and strategies and ADHD coaches can be really, really great for that, for providing that. That's awesome. Everything you've talked about has been so amazing and I just really appreciate you. I know we're running out of time here, but, um, I just wanted to, to thank you 
with all my heart. The channel you've created, the community, it's just incredible. Um, what are you working on now or where, where can people find you? Um, how can they support you? What can we do to help Jessica with her journey even more? Uh, we have a website, howtoadhd.com. Uh, YouTube channel is youtube.com slash howtoadhd. We are at howtoadhd on every platform. Um, if you want to support us, the best, best way to do it is patreon.com slash howtoadhd. Patreon is a way that you can donate like a couple dollars or $5 or however much you want to donate, but it's like every month. So it's consistent, reliable income for us. And we can do a lot with that, including hiring more people, having them work more hours so that we can do more things. It's really the best way to support us. And this year, especially it's super critical uh, because I am spending a lot of time writing my book and um, <laughs> that's so exciting. Yeah, I'm so excited. So how to ADHD, the book is going to be out in a couple of years in bookstores and stuff. Um, it's a super nerve wracking experience, but because of that, my team has stepped in and had to like take over a lot of the operations day-to-day um, -day stuff that I would normally do. So um, I want to keep throwing money at them. So if you support us, I can support my team better too. <laughs> That's awesome. That's incredible. You're so amazing. You're just so amazing. Thank you so much, Jessica. Thanks for, for being on my podcast. Thank you. Um, this is so cool. It's just, it's yeah. really cool getting to connect with you. Um, yeah, you too. Thank you. Everyone say thank you, Jessica, wherever you're listening. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for listening to Daydreaming and hope you all have an, uh, a wonderful day. You rule. Don't forget it. Daydreaming.